I served in Vietnam. I served in World War II. I served in Afghanistan. And VA serves us all. No matter when you served. No matter if you saw combat or not. There are benefits for veterans of every generation. See what VA can do for you. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for, visit www.va.gov. That's www.va.gov. Get it Monday, August 17th, 2020. Born the Battle, brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs, the podcast that focuses on inspiring veteran stories and puts a highlight on important resources, offices, and benefits for our veterans. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. Hope everyone had a great week outside of podcast land. The Iskra household is still on vacation, so this is not going to be your normal episode. Uh, no responses to reviews, no news releases this week. However, you do get a treat. This will be the first Born the Battle, the first BTB Rewind. You know, in the early stages, there are many well-known guests that Tim had on the podcast. And maybe since it was so early in the podcast life, not many got to hear these outstanding guest interviews. So when I'm out, like this week, I'm going to rewind, turn back the clock a little bit, and go back to them for your listening pleasure. For this week, it's one that I'm pretty jelly that he got to interview instead of me. Duke and USA basketball coach, I mean Duke and USA basketball legend, Mike Shisevsky, Coach K himself who is an Army veteran by way of West Point. Enjoy. Very honored to do the the interview with you, the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. (coughs) Coach K, we always start these interviews with what we all have in common, and that is joining the United States military. I know your service starts at West Point, so bring us back to that decision for you. Well, coming out of high school, I was a decent basketball player in the inner inner city of Chicago. So I had some scholarship offers and and then West Point came and, you know, my parents had never gone to high school. Well, my dad went to two years of high school. My mom never went to high school. And they said, holy mackerel, you have a chance to go to the best school in the world. And I didn't look at it that way at that time, but I then started looking at it through my mom's and dad's eyes and and then once I got there, yeah, I understood how hard it was, but also how great it was. And uh, I thank God that I was given that opportunity because everything that's happened for me since then is a result of making that decision. And then in the five years that I was an Army officer in the field artillery, you know, those nine years in the military really helped me immensely. So do you, do you have a story from your time in the service that you can share with us? I got thousands of stories. <laughs> and Right. Is there maybe one that you feel is the epitome of your time in? Well, I don't know if it's the epitome, but how you learn and you learn about the talents of, uh, uh, of the people that you have with you. And, and 
you know, when I was a field art, my, my first assignment, I was in a, an executive officer for a firing battery at Fort Carson, first of the 19th artillery and, you know, you're self-propelled howitzers and, you know, you're a young, you're a young lieutenant. I'm a second lieutenant and I'm, I'm there and, you know, you don't know everything. In fact, it's important for you to know that you don't know a lot. And, but my staff sergeant, my E6, uh, the, the chief of smoke, uh, they, they call him, he, he knew everything. And uh, one of the best things I did was meet with him and he explained and we, you know, the expression two's better than one if two can, you know, if two can act as one. And, and we did. And that was really a learning experience for me is to use the talents there just because of, you know, the officer's so-called above that E6, but he doesn't necessarily know more than that E6. And so, you know, respect the, the commitment, the knowledge, the experience uh, of the people that you have, uh, that you're afforded the honor to, uh, to lead. And I, I, I've tried to do that, carry it over to basketball, you know, where, you know, I'm with the U.S. team for 11 years. Those guys, LeBron James and Kobe Bryant are pretty good, or at Duke, you know, the guys like Jason Tatum and Brandon Ingram and Kyrie Irving are pretty good. Let them use their talents. Don't just think that you, you know, you're the only one that has it. So the military's really helped me immensely in, uh, in learning a multitude of lessons. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Is there is there another skill set that you got from the military that you think has contributed to your success as a coach and helped you manage this team? Yeah, definitely. I mean, so many things. I mean, it started at West Point where really the military in teaching you to have, you know, to to get new limits, to have new talents, you know, to develop. A lot of times you fail. And, you know, you're, you're, it's not like you can just dish out talents or, you know, dish out new things. You know, you have to learn them and you have to learn them under fire. You know, when I was at West Point, I failed a number of different times. And, you know, two of the main lessons that I learned there and I've carried over for, you know, the four decades I've been a, a head coach is one is failure. Failure is not your destination. In other words, you get knocked down, you know, get back up and figure out how to get it done. And uh, and then along with that, don't think that you have to get it done alone. You know, how do you develop teamwork, whether it's a basketball team, a squad, a company, a platoon? Uh, you know, what's your what's your mission? How do you <clears throat> how does everybody help? In, in you know in developing that teamwork that's necessary to be successful so you know that that carried through my entire military experience and and I've used that as the foundation for for what I do as a basketball coach yeah i mean i imagine you see plenty of parallels between coaching and developing young players and mentoring young soldiers there's no question about it. I mean, the the thing that I do, you're not you're not being you're not preparing for battle. You're not preparing for combat. Uh, in a in a combat zone, you're you're preparing 
<clears throat> to play a basketball game, which, <clears throat> excuse me, is not at the same level, obviously. But, <clears throat> excuse me, the principles are the principles are are the same, and you know, and basically to get the men and women that you have the honor to lead and have them own it, you know, have them, um, you know, coordinate the, you know, their talents and come at, uh, the opponent, whatever that, it, that opponent might be and, uh, to do it as one. And, um, it, it's the same stuff. I, and to get to know them when I was a young Lieutenant, at Fort Carson, I would go every once a week, one of the afternoons, they would have like a field day where, you know, people could go and play sports or do whatever they want, wanted to do. And I would always go to the battalion gym. And, uh, and although I was one of the, maybe the only officer there, I was a pretty good player. And so I'd play with the, uh, you know, the men that I was leading and, uh, I got to know them and, uh, you know, what better place to get to know them than to, you know, uh, through sport. And I earned, I got to know them. They, I earned their respect and, you know, a leader has to find different ways to get to know his people. And uh, I, I do that with my team and I did it with the, the men and women. I had an opportunity to lead in the military. I know you continued your career in basketball soon after the military, but what was your experience transitioning from mil- from the military environment into civilian life? You know, the transition was not difficult because uh, uh, in entering, you know, the collegiate world, it also is, you know, top-notch world. You know, there's you're you're part of a university. You're you're around people who care. You know, they, they want what's good for the, for the whole. And, uh, uh, I felt I was immensely prepared to, you know, to move on in, into coaching. Uh, when I left the military, I did not leave the military because I did not like the military. You know, we, I was a captain and, uh, stationed at Fort Belvoir and we were doing well. And, uh, it's just that I couldn't coach <laughs> in the, in the military, you know, I couldn't be uh, a college basketball coach, and that was my dream. And yeah, you know, I I stepped aside, but I've kept my association with the military at a really high level. You know, I go up to West Point once or twice a year uh, to speak to the cadets and and uh, the corps. And when we the last eleven years coaching the U.S. team, we we were intimately involved with the military because they served as an example, whether wounded warriors spoke to our team, we had functions with military units or families of deceased uh, men and women who've given their lives for our country. And uh, I wanted our U.S. team to understand what selfless service was all about. And the military obviously is the, is the best example for that. Yeah, absolutely. When when you have a player on your team that shows interest in the military, do you share your military experience with them? Yeah, in fact, we you know one of my recent graduates is uh, Marshall Plumley. You know, Marshall came to me during his uh, years here at Duke and said, you know, Coach, I'm 
I don't know if it was possible, but I'd like to be an ROTC here at, at, at Duke. And, and I have a, you know, he, he got to meet uh, one of my former players who's now a four-star general in charge of the, our troops in the Pacific, uh, General Bob Brown. And he got really turned on to the military. Uh, and I said, of course. And then he, he did all of his training. He went to summer camp and whatever, and actually was commissioned. Uh, and although he's playing for the Clippers right now, he's also in, a res- in reserves. And, you know, when his time is up or, you know, if he's not allowed to play professional basketball any- anymore, I'm sure that uh, Marshall will be, you know, he has a passion to be uh, an Army officer. He is an Army officer. But as far as making it a career, so I would not hold any of our, our our guys back from doing that. That's very cool. I know your time is sensitive, so I'll wrap up with this question. You mentioned that you like to keep in touch with the military. Is there is there a veteran or a veteran organization that you're familiar with or that you're aware of that has you excited about what they're doing right now? Well, I think yeah, you know, I, I think there's so many. You know, I think we owe it as a country to every man and woman who has served uh, to make sure that we take care of them uh, after uh, they leave the service and whether it be because of injury or they retire or at, at any time. Uh, I'll tell you one, one organization that the last one, when we won the Olympics in Rio, we got to be really close with TAPS, uh, tragedy uh, assistance program for survivors uh, where, you know, they raised an immense amount of money to help all those families who have lost a son, a daughter, a husband, a wife, a father, a mother, you know, in, in combat. And, uh, you know, we, in every exhibition game we had, we had TAPS kids there. And then we had a huge function in Chicago before uh, leaving for, for Rio. Uh, where we met hundreds uh, of, of family members, and they actually shared their buttons. They were buttons of the deceased person on, on, right over their hearts, and they gave us their those buttons the, uh, to take to Rio. And uh, you know, where it was our, their way of saying, you know, this is what was given up with selfless service lives. And uh, we're proud of my mom, my dad, my son, uh, whoever it was. And then uh, we shared that with them. And so, yeah, it, you know, there's a lot being done. I, I just wish more could, more could be done. But, uh, you know, God bless the people who have uh, founded organizations to help our veterans. Wonderful, wonderful. Coach Gay, thank you so much for taking the time and speaking to our veterans. It is a true pleasure talking to a legend in college basketball. And good luck in the upcoming season. All right. Thank you very much. What a great gift. That was way back in episode 51. For more gems like Coach K, I implore you to go back and look at some of the earlier podcast episodes as there are some pretty good interviews with familiar names. This week's Born the Battle Veteran of the Week is Navy veteran Antonius Tony Speed. 
and was nominated by way of our Veteran of the Day program. Every day, our social media team honors a veteran on all of our social media platforms and on our blog on blogs.va.gov. You can nominate your own Veteran of the Day by emailing newmedia at va.gov. Be sure to name the veteran in your email as you would be surprised how many people send in photos and why they would like their veteran to be recognized, but never add their name. Texas native Antonius Tony Speed graduated from high school in 2009 and joined the Navy. His best friend enlisted in the Marines, and Speed decided to enlist as a medic with the Navy. Speed's family also has a military background as his father served in the Air Force. After completing basic training at Great Lakes, Illinois, Speed entered the Marine Medical Training Battalion, and I know where that's at, Camp Johnson. Upon graduation from the program, he volunteered with the Navy Hard Corps Race Series. His duty station was Naval Air Station Lemoore, California. Speed served as a hospital corpsman with the Marines as a field medical service technician from 2010 until 2013. He served at the main hospital and worked in both the pre-operative and post-operative units. During his service, he was nominated for the Navy's Blue Jacket of the Year Award. Speed is currently pursuing a bachelor's degree in nursing at West Coast University. He also works as an anesthesia technician at the John Peter Smith Trauma Center in Fort Worth, Texas. Antonius Tony Speed, thank you for your service. That's it for this week's episode. If you yourself would like to nominate a Born the Battle Veteran of the Week, you can. Just send an email to podcast at va.gov, include a short write-up, and let us know why you'd like to see him or her as the Born the Battle Veteran of the Week. And if you like this podcast episode, hit the subscribe button. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, pretty much any podcatching app known to phone, computer, tablet, or man. For more stories on veterans and veteran benefits, check out our website, blogs.va.gov, and follow the VA on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, RallyPoint, DEPT Vet Affairs, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. No matter the social media, you can always find us with that blue check mark. And as always, I am reminded by people smarter than me to remind you that the Department of Veterans Affairs does not endorse or officially sanction any entities that may be discussed in this podcast, nor any media products or services they may provide. I will be back next week. I'll be in the saddle. I'll see you right here. Thanks for listening. Take care. Take care.